Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. The Tennis Podcast. The Tennis Podcast. Welcome to the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. The French Open is nearing by the day. The most recent big clay court tournament in Rome has completed, and we are here to review it. Andy Murray has won the tournament, beating Novak Djokovic. Serena Williams has had a triumphant return. We are going to hear from the great Martina Navratilova, exclusively here on the Tennis Podcast, talking about that women's final, and also referencing who she thinks is going to be the favourite for the men's tournament. So we've got loads to get into. We're also going to be talking about Andy Murray's coaching situation because very shortly after last week's show, we discovered that he's no longer going to be working with Amelie Moresmo. That news was received by the world and Catherine and I have our first chance to talk about it today. But Catherine, how are you doing? You were commentating yesterday on the men's final. I was commentating on the women's final. And Serena Williams, let's start with that, is back with a bang. Boy, is she. Yeah, I mean, anybody that was writing her off or even just doubting her a little bit must um, feel a little bit of a fool now. I mean, I I say that with the utmost sympathy because I've been burned by Serena Williams-based predictions myself in the past in in the opposite way. Uh, But I think the rule is with Serena, she will surprise you. Uh, And uh, she's done that again. And uh, she's made herself the firm favourite for the French Open, if ever there were any doubts. Victoria Azarenka slightly injured. She's an unknown quantity. Serena Williams is not an unknown quantity. She is playing good tennis. She is the nailed-on favourite for that tournament now. I've got some really good news for you, Catherine Whitaker, because you know how you're desperately scrambling around trying to find some way of being better than me at tennis for our rematch? No comment, yeah. Um, I'll take that as a yes. Now, Serena Williams, you're a dog lover, right? Yes. Serena Williams is also a dog lover. So, tick, that's already something you have in common, which surely must be good news for you. But Serena Williams last week ate dog food. Did you know that? Yeah, I heard about this. Uh, fill the listeners in, David, because it is one of the more bizarre stories I've heard from the tennis world in recent times. It is one of my favourite headlines that I've ever seen in tennis. And uh, uh, the headline read like this on the BBC Sport website, Serena Serena Williams eats dog food, but 
reaches the Italian Open quarterfinals. And what actually happened was Serena Williams, she put a put out a Snapchat. You ever heard of a Snapchat? Because I'm still trying to find out what that is. I've heard of it. Jeremy Corbyn uses Snapchat, David. He's older than you. Get Get with it. Right. Well, anyway, Serena Williams, I, I did actually watch this Snapchat little video uh, in her in her hotel room where she's she's showing us around and she's she's looking a bit pasty faced, looking a bit a bit sort of green around the gills. And she shows you a picture of the menu, the dog food menu of this hotel. Now, what sort of hotel does a dog food menu? I don't know. The but good anyway, ones, chip. David, the good ones. Right. I need to okay, the very expensive Googling ones. immediately. Travel lodges don't do that. Anyway, Chip the dog was sitting there looking very pleased with himself because he was going to get a 15 euro plate of salmon and rice, which uh, Serena Williams did in fact order. Serena Williams had a look at this plate of rice and salmon and decided it looked quite tasty. So she had some and she immediately fell ill. And this was on match day before she was due to play Christina McHale, the American. And she, it was the hardest match she had all week. She lost the, uh, the first, uh, or she, she was pushed to a tie break in the first set and eventually got through that. But, you know, she was in a really bad way. But So the moral of this tale is, Catherine, you've got dog food knocking about the house. You should have some. No, I think I think the rule is that life would have been a lot easier for Serena Williams had she not eaten dog food. I mean, joking aside, it is quite extraordinary, isn't it? Given, you know, not even the current climate, but even more so in the current climate, how much scrutiny there is on what people, what uh, athletes put into their bodies. You think everything would be monitored and checked off a list. And, you know, she's just casually shoving some dog food in her mouth that she thought looked vaguely appealing. I mean, it. I do find that extraordinary. But, you know, she's, she keeps us on her toes, Serena, doesn't she? She does that. I have to say, when you, when it, assuming this was the, the food she actually ate, she showed it to us. I'd have eaten it. It looked nice. It looked nice to me. Yeah, anyway. just, just like my dog uh, likes the look of human food. Oh, really? Well, your dog better not get any ideas when I'm around because uh, I don't share food uh anyway now serena williams did get to the final and uh she was awesome against uh, svetlana kuznetsova which was a rematch of the one she had in miami which uh, kuznetsova won I, I always find it fascinating i was sitting uh, name dropping alert everybody i was sitting next to martina navratilova commentating on bt sport and she said that when you play somebody if you're a top player and you play somebody who has beaten you you really do want to to get your own back. There's no, there's no sort of oh, I don't think about revenge or anything like that. It's it, she made it very clear, did Martina, that Serena will want proper revenge here. And sure enough, six two six love forty eight minutes. There's your revenge. You're asking me to comment on uh, um, uh, to to. Um... You've already said what Martina Vratilova has to say. I can't match that. I mean, yeah, she's she's amazing, isn't she? She's just amazing. I'm, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just full of admiration, and and the, the, I'm still a bit befuddled by the dog feed, David. Well, yeah, and and talking of revenge for top players, you know, that's what you're going to be getting when I get get you on the court. 
basically. Yeah. Um, you know, you're going to be suffering just like Kuznetsova did. Anyway, uh, she eventually went on to face Madison Keys in the final, which was a really nice side story in itself. Okay, Keys didn't win, but she pushed Serena Williams to a tiebreak in the first set. She went toe-to-toe with her. It was very similar to the initial... Uh, match that they had against one another at the Australian Open last year. That was also a tie-break. But I think Keyes will have been hugely encouraged here because, frankly, she didn't think she could play on clay. And she's proved here she could. She she defeated Muguruza, Kvitova. These are good wins. Yeah, I had my doubts about how well she could play on clay. I had my doubts about her full stop in the past uh, few months because it's definitely been uh, a rocky road for her of late. Um, obviously, coaching ups and downs as well, splitting with Lindsay Davenport and trialling a relationship with Mats Verlander that lasted what we're led to understand a week, if not less. Um, so definitely, you know, the the tricky season post big breakthrough, you know, we've seen it so many times before, haven't we? Sloane Stevens, Jeannie Bouchard, they're all part of this crop. Um, and it's really good to see her um, starting to, to get back where we think she could be. You know, it was only just over a year ago that I did that interview with Brad Gilbert and he said she's a nailed on future world number one. Uh, and it feels like she's lost her way slightly since he said that. But, you know, she's still extremely young. Got to remember, we've been talking about her since she was a teenager. She's only just out of her teens. So uh, there's still a bright future ahead for the, for her. And I was really pleased to see her challenge Serena in the final and, and provide a good final for the crowd. But I was also pleased to see Serena win and dumbfound everybody yet again. Uh, on the subject of Brad Gilbert having thought she is a future world number one, you're quite right. That was an interview Catherine did on the Tennis Podcast last year. You can still listen to that in our archive. Go to the uh, Tennis Podcast website, look that up on Google. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Android, on any podcast-playing app you so desire. And the entire 201 archive is in there for you. But Navratilova was another player who backed that up. When we had her on the show a year ago, she did say, I also think she can be world number one. And Serena Williams at the net, immediately after beating Keys, embraced Keys and said, I'm so proud of the way you're, you've, you've come on, the way you're playing this week. And you are going to be number one for sure. That's what she said to her. For now, sure. She said the word yeah. for sure. Wow. Sure. I mean, look, I, I, Serena has become increasingly almost motherly in the way she's uh, she's spoken to, to her fellow players while still trying to beat them into the ground. But I, I do feel as though um, she does see something of herself in keys. That was something else she said before the match. You know, she she's like me in the way she goes about her business and just tries to take the, the play away from you. It was, a, it was a spectacular match of powerful hitting and, uh, and a, a lot of fun to watch. Just before we hear from... Martina Navratilova here on the Tennis Podcast about that final and looking ahead to the French Open. Just a word, Catherine, on some of the other players, because one of the reasons that anybody excited for somebody like Keyes would be excited is because people like Halep, who won in Madrid, lost early in Rome. Azarenka's got a back problem. She had to withdraw after her first match, I think it was. No, in fact, she lost, didn't she? She withdrew the week before and she lost to Irina Camellia Begu in, in Rome. And the, there were others as well. People losing early, like, like Kerber and uh, 
Benchich is not even playing at the moment. The, the, it is wide open for somebody yet again. I mean, I, I suspect it'll ultimately be a fit, fresh, firing Serena Williams that just mops up all all the results as a result of it. Yeah, while everyone else is wavering and and uh, stuttering, there goes Serena Williams taking advantage and uh, not suffering the same woes. It's, I mean, it keeps it really, really interesting. You mentioned Halep, they're really disappointing defeat. For, I know, I know, anybody can lose to Daria Gavrilova. She is just one of those players, but still, really disappointing follow up for her. I would say. I know Muguruza had a good run in Rome, but I still think the way she lost to Madison Keys was disappointing. That was such an opportunity for her, and to lose that in straight sets um, for me was a disappointment. I think. Um, so yeah, it is extremely open. But for Serena Williams, isn't it? <laughs> so let's hear from Martin and Avratilova, who just after we stepped out of the commentary box describing the Serena Williams title victory, spoke to us here on the Tennis Podcast. It's been a long drought for, by Serena Williams' standards. Hasn't won a tournament since August last year. But, uh, of course, a lot of semifinals at the US Open and finals at, at the Australian Open. Unexpected losses. Hasn't played that much this year, only four tournaments. But now came in with uh, with perhaps some doubt in her head. Um, people writing her off. Do not do that to a champion. She came she came back with a vengeance, played great tennis, as well as she has played on, on clay. And uh, now has to be again, once again, a big favorite going into the French Open. It is amazing the difference a week can make, isn't it? Because I think a week ago, when Samantha Halep won in Madrid and the results that Victoria Azarenka has put together, the inactivity of Serena Williams, perhaps she wasn't the favorite in many people's eyes a week ago. But it it is anybody's in a way, isn't it, at the moment? There's nobody who's been stringing matches and tournament wins together, but ultimately she's the one who's been there and done it and has the raw materials. That's exactly right. Serena Williams has been at the top for uh, and, and in the finals and, and winning Grand Slams more than anybody the last uh, four years consistently there when she when she loses it's an exception uh with the other players it's when they win it's an exception so uh whether it's good to our azarenka multiple grand slam winners but very inconsistent azarenka of course had that great uh uh hard court swing in, in indian wells and, and miami but then very disappointing clay court season and there has to be some question mark about her health she had issues with her back uh, so can she be healthy? Serena Williams now healthy, ha- hungry, eager, and, and fresh. Uh, so she's match tough and fresh at the same time. That's a tough combination. Some players may be too tired, like Madison Keys, having played so many matches now, not used to uh, playing on clay. And, and other players uh, done well earlier, but now not so not so well the last couple of weeks. So there must be seat, a, a seed of doubt in their minds. So Serena Williams sitting right where she wanted to be. Do you think a surprise winner is possible? Of course, it's possible, but uh, still unlikely. I mean, Sveta uh, uh, Kuznetsova, I think, is the only other player that has won the French Open that's in the draw. Uh, so, uh, Francesca Schiavone, I think she's still playing, but of course, uh, she's she's on her way out. And so, Serena Williams has to be a heavy favorite. Uh, it's Serena Williams against the field. If she's if she loses, then it's anybody's ball game. But uh, it's going to be hard for anybody to beat her the way she played this week could be in a month or so's time she may have actually surpassed Steffi. Absolutely. I mean she's she smells it, you know, she's so so close. She's one one slam away from from uh tying Steffi Graf and two from beating her record. So she when you get that close it really is a great motivator. 
Just one quick note on on, on the men's draw because uh, Novak Djokovic is racking up the, the titles. Rafael Nadal, though, has shown great form in Rome and in recent weeks. Andy Murray's got to another final. We don't know as we sit here what the result of that final is, but it's bubbling up nicely. Well, so much depends on the draw also. Just like in the women's field, uh, there are some wild cards in the men's field. Rafael Nadal is the big wild card. He won't be sitting in the top four, so he could play anybody in the quarters. And the way he's been playing now, you, you don't if you're not Djokovic, you definitely want him to be on the other half of the draw. You don't need an extra tough match during the tournament. And uh, and, and Andy Murray is playing well as well. So who knows uh, how the draw is going to play out. But uh, it's funny because uh, Novak Djokovic has never won the French Open. It's the only tournament he's never won, the last Grand Slam that he's never won. But he's a heavy favorite going into it. And uh, I, would, I would not be betting against him. So there's Martina. Catherine, isn't it great to hear from her? Any chance you get, I... I... I don't feel as though I sit next to her or sit watching her on the TV and listening to her without learning something. I mean, I think I think I, you could listen to her for the next 30 years and still be learning stuff from Martina. Yeah. I, I imagine even, you know, her sleep talking is insightful. <laughs> Mine isn't. I can guarantee you that. Uh, the, the, um, the, the other things that were interesting in that, that interview for me were her views on the men's game, generally speaking. Obviously, we hadn't seen the final of the men's tournament at that point, but she still thinks Djokovic is the player to beat. As you know from last week, I think he's going to win the French Open. I personally haven't seen anything to change my opinion despite the week he's had in Rome which was which was taxing and very encouraging from an Andy Murray perspective I mean he he did the job yesterday he did a proper job on Novak Djokovic it was a match you commentated on what did you think I think he's still the favorite to win the French Open without any question of a doubt I think I have seen um a few things that that trouble me a little bit um, with Novak Djokovic, I think the signs of stress are growing rather than fading. I think that's entirely understandable. I think he just, I keep saying it, but I don't think I can emphasise or overemphasise how much he wants this French Open. And I think the strain of that is starting to show he was out of sorts all week. I talked about it in my commentary for TalkSport 2 last night. I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw in his semi-final against Nishikori. I mean, he was discombobulated pretty much from the start. The fact that he inflicted quite a bad injury on himself, obviously uh, a symptom of that. Uh, and uh, it, obviously that affected him. But I think also there was loads else going on for Djokovic throughout that match. He failed to notice that he'd broken a string. Mohamed Leani had to point that out to him. I've never seen that before. I spoke about it with Naomi Cavaday, who I was commentating alongside for TalkSport 2. And she said she can't imagine not noticing that a string had gone. He knew something was up because he was asking for the ball to be taken uh, out of circulation. He thought there was something wrong with the ball, but he didn't realise he had completely broken a string. There's definitely something playing on the mind of Novak Djokovic. And whether it's just last year's final or just how much he wants it, it's definitely not the mental fortress of the world number one that, that we've, come to know and I still don't think that's enough to not make him the runaway favourite I just think it's enough to open the door ever so slightly for someone to have the day of their life like Vavrinka did last year and surprise us all 
Don't you think, though, Catherine, that some days you just get out of bed and you're just not up for it? It's just not. Yeah, but happening. it was mo. Absolutely, it happens to me most days. But it happened to Djokovic pretty much every day last week, and it's no coincidence, isn't it? It wasn't just one random day where he woke up and didn't feel himself. Of course, that happens. What I'm seeing is a trend, an upward trend of stress. It started well, obviously lost in Monte Carlo. There were signs of stress. In Madrid, you know, there were the nerves trying to to serve out matches. We saw that again against Nishikori and Murray, and then they those signs were growing and increasing in Rome as well. He did incredibly well to reach the final. He lost a six love set to Thomas Bellucci. I mean, yes, he went on to win the match, and that's testament to his brilliance and everything else. But the trend is upward for me, and that's just enough to to place the seed of doubt. Here's the thing, though, Catherine. You know, he, he, he's fried, I think. He's just in, exhausted. I mean, he played Nadal in a really gruelling battle. He gets over that. I don't quite know how he beat Nishikori, the way Nishikori was playing on Saturday night. I watched all of that. And, you know, there was a lot of stress in that one, a lot of angst and arguing with the umpire and all the rest of it. And then he played Murray and, and lost. He's now going to have a week off. He's going to recharge. Then he's going to be playing best of five set matches every other day. He's going to have a day off between each match unless there's horrible weather. And he's going to have time to play himself into matches. He's going to get his form going because he'll play people early on, most likely that he can he can beat at 75 80%. And then we'll find out in about two weeks' time which Novak Djokovic we, we're dealing with. I personally think he's going to be the one that we saw in Australia. Uh, that That's my view. Um, I, I think he, he'll he dust himself down and, and, and get back to it. The interesting thing for me is that I think the other players, the field generally of, of contenders, okay, Vavrinka had one of those periods of, of his life that I, maybe he will never repeat. I, I read an interview with the Times, um, Barry Flatman wrote about how he, uh, he he didn't know whether he'd ever play like that again. And um, and I he, he doesn't know. That's not past past tense. He he doesn't know. Whether yeah. He, well, that's what I mean. He doubts whether he can ever produce a performance like that again. It was a very interesting, revealing uh, interview. That one. Yeah, I, I found it interesting too. And and the, there is a big question mark there. Certainly, I think Murray has elevated his level from a year ago, even as far as he got reaching the semis. Uh, at the French Open. I think he's a better clay court player. I think he's in a really good, strong mental space. I think Nadal is a better player than he was in terms of form than he was a year ago. So in that regard, it looks like it's getting harder for Novak Djokovic to to win this title. But I I don't know. I think Djokovic is still the best player in the world. It's as simple as Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live and you can watch on your phone or your smart TV, both in HD. Matt, this sounds like your kind of thing. Yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tie break or even the latest bit of aggro. And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with legends of the game up against a new generation of young players. I cannot wait. Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. That's what Martina said. That's that's the truth. Is anybody not saying that? I didn't not say that, David. I I said he's far and away the favourite for this title. I think he'll probably win it. I'm just saying... There, there is some reason to think that it's not an absolute certainty. That's all I'm saying. I, I, I think that, you know, that other players in the draw will have enjoyed watching Novak Djokovic last week. It will have given them a slight crumb of comfort that he's not this superhuman, invincible player that sometimes you can just think it is impossible to beat this guy he is invincible and he didn't look invincible last week and I think that's just a crumb of comfort for everyone else it'll give them that ounce more belief and it just makes it one iota more interesting he is still the favorite by far for that title aside from me beating you in our rematch there are no nailed uncertainties are there in life no I've learned that the hard way David there are not no (laughs) Right. Uh, Now, Andy Murray's coaching situation has uh, taken a a bit of a turn over the last week because uh, Amelie Moresmo is no longer going to be coaching him. Uh, That was announced uh, just about a week ago. What were your impressions upon hearing that news? Uh, I have to say I was very much expecting it, having been in Madrid um, and seen his reaction when he was asked about Moresmo um, and I saw him being asked about it a couple of times off the record and he didn't although he you know he didn't give anything away in in what he was saying a transcript of what he was saying would look completely fine you could sense something and I think the fact that Moresmo came to Madrid for a day on Fed Cup duty and didn't stay any longer to spend time with Murray. I think that raised alarm bells. And uh, I know Barry Flatman had uh, opportunely seen on that day that Moresmo did fly in for Fed Cup duty. She did see uh, Murray and Moresmo having quite a heated discussion in the players' lounge. So it felt a little bit like the writing was on the wall. But I still think it's 
desperately sad because I get the impression they both in an ideal world would have liked it to continue. Um, I don't think there's any animosity there at all. I think she's done wonderful things um, for his game and for his um, mentality and approach to tennis. I think I get the impression she helped him to really fall properly in love with tennis after those difficult times he experienced um, with the the back injury, the back surgery, in fact, and, you know, the post Grand Slam winning slight deflation, perhaps. Um, I think she really helped him rediscover his motivation and zest and all the rest of it. And I think it's been a, a wonderfully successful relationship. Hold on, I think Catherine, too, there, too are those there are those that say that... And could I just finish what I was saying, David? Go on. Don't interrupt me. The, the, uh, I just think that there's been slightly excessive post-mortem over the who, what, whys and wherefores of, of the relationship breakdown because I think two years, roughly speaking, is about the life expectancy of those high-profile coaching relationships. There are some that have, that have outlasted those, but generally speaking, it's, it's, it's about average. Can I have a go now? Yes. Okay. Uh, there are those that would say... You said it was. It has been a very successful relationship. There are those that would say, before they started their coaching arrangement, that he had won two Grand Slam titles and Olympic gold, and he hasn't won any major titles since then. No, I, I think it's. Uh, I think it's a shame that he didn't win any Grand Slam titles during that period, but I think he played better tennis during the period with Emily Moresmo, or certainly the latterly during periods of it, uh, than when he won those Grand Slam titles. I think you've got to remember she came on board when he was at really quite a low ebb, actually. He talks, um, Andy Murray, quite profoundly about that love and one lost to Federer at the World Tour Finals, you know, following... He had had the back surgery and his confidence was at an all-time low and... She took such a hammering for that. I think it, that had quite a profound effect on him, how he how he views the world, really, actually. And uh, I think they weathered a really difficult storm together. And I think he could be in quite a different place now, Andy Murray, um, had she not been the steadying influence on the team that she was. So I think... Um, yeah, it's a real shame. I think he could have won Grand Slams in that time. It's, I think it's more to do with Novak Djokovic that he didn't than to do with Andy Murray or Emily Moresmo, frankly. Do you know what? I, I agree with that last bit. Uh, I mean, I certainly believe that, that she, she did wonders for him in terms of just getting him up for it again, getting him impassioned about playing the sport again, because I think that not, not everybody's built like Djokovic. I mean, even if you go back a few years, Djokovic had a bit of a, a low ebb and, and and wasn't winning as much as he thought he should have been. And, and I think even if you go earlier, he had the physical issues as well and, and maybe wasn't as mentally strong. And Becker came on board for him and... and, and got him going again and and I feel as though Moresmo did the same Frandy Murray when he was he was struggling to to really follow it up all those uh, successes that we've just detailed and ultimately he came very close on a number of occasions a couple of Australian Open finals uh Wimbledon last year he ran into Federer playing tennis from another planet and I don't know. I, and, and of course, you know, the Davis Cup victory, I think you have to give some some credit to, to just his overall 
zen over the last year and, and happiness in life and in the way that he was able to plunge himself into all that and be successful. So I, I think you have to look at the, the, the rest of the field. And Novak Djokovic elevated his level to something, well, that we've probably only seen a handful of times from, from Nadal, Federer, Sampras at their best, uh, where, where he was the best player. And Murray was not a whole distance, a huge distance behind. So anyway, that's the situation with Amelie Moresmo and Andy Murray. That's done. What now? He's got Jamie Delgado at his side. We reckon that's about 40 weeks a year that they work together. Um, Jamie Delgado, you may remember, Catherine, we had here as a guest on the Tennis Podcast when he was coaching Gilles Muller against Andy Murray at Queen's. So if you want to go and listen to that, it's there for to be to be heard. Super coach Jamie Delgado, we called him at the day, which he which he found quite funny. But I mean he's obviously a very good ally for Murray at the moment. They seem to be clicking well. Does Andy Murray even need a coach? I think he does, yeah. I really, really think he does. I think um those those two roles are quite important for Andy Murray. The the consistency uh that comes with that sort of assistant coach role. It's the Danny Valvadu role, really, isn't it? That he he never quite um, refilled after after they split. Um, and I think it's very, very important for Andy Murray to have that consistency throughout the year and have the commitment of the 40 weeks to know that presence is going to be in his camp throughout. Uh, but I also think he needs the super coach role. And I do, I do think it needs to be a super coach because I think, Andy is so stubborn and contrary and uh, all the rest of it, all the other things that make him, you know, great and interesting and but also a bit annoying, I'm sure, to coach. It has to be somebody that he will listen to. Uh, and that's why I think it needs to be someone that's been there and done it. It doesn't need to be for everybody, but I do think it needs to be for him. So I do think there's a vacancy there to be filled. Now, one of the pieces I read was uh, suggesting our guest this week, Martina Navratilova, is a great candidate, and it's certainly somebody that I've championed on Twitter. Now, you might be thinking, well, why not didn't you ask her, seeing as you had her as a guest on the tennis podcast? Why don't you say to her, Martina, do you fancy it? Well, I absolutely intended to, until she saw that coming when I asked her if she would do an interview on the tennis podcast. And she said, sure, but I'm not talking about Andy Murray and coaching. So anyway, uh, I asked her just briefly um, off air uh, whether she thought, as I've just said to you, whether, whether as you get older and you're more experienced, whether you do need a coach as much. She said that you don't need one maybe as much as you did, but you still need one. You don't need somebody with you all the time you need somebody who you can consult and go to and speak to and she reminded me about how for five years in the latter parts of her career she she was coached by Billie Jean King or she had Billie Jean as, as, as somebody she could at least go to and talk to and and pick the brains uh, of in those important moments and Look, we didn't get talking about Andy Murray because uh, she, I don't think, would want to fan the fires of speculation, to be honest with you. But but I, but would she be but, interested if he but asked? Hang I on a second. I don't think you even need to ask. I think absolutely she's interested. I think absolutely she fancies it. I don't. I think the question marks are over whether Andy Murray fancies it. And number two, whether she could make the commitment required because that's why the relationship ended with Moresmo. She couldn't spare the time that Andy Murray wanted. And I would question whether Martina Navratilova could, but I think that 
desire to coach Burns Bright in Martina Navratilova. And I think that Andy Murray would be quite a good candidate from her perspective, actually. So I don't doubt that she's in principle intrigued by the uh, by the possibility. No, I, I don't doubt either. Uh, Catherine, I've run a poll on it. You'll be pleased to know. We've had 213 Stop votes. Stop the press, guys. Stop the press. Who should Andy Murray get to work alongside Jamie Delgado? 18% have gone for Martina Navratilova. 49% have gone for Ivan Lendl. 14%, 14% have said someone else. And 19% have said no one. So there you are. Yeah, all that is is evidence of how stupid polls are, David. There is no way he's going back to Ivan Lendl. No way. How do you he's know? Not take, he's not taking a backward step. How, how is it a backward step to go back to somebody who won you two grand slams or you helped? Because you just use the word back in the description of what that movement would be. But if you go back to, to be successful more than you've ever been in the rest of your whole career, how's, how is that a retrograde step? But he's got what he needed from Lendl. He's he's already he's still reaping the benefits of that time with Lendl. I don't think go back to him and reap it again. And also Lendl, but the part of that that split was due to 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 Lendl wanting to spend less time on the road. I I I think that's pretty unforeseeable, really, and I find it preposterous that uh, the public think that is a more likely. Uh, possibility than Martina Navratilova. Why? Why? Ivan Lendl is a I've proven. I've just explained why. I've just explained proven, why, David. A proven um, person who has already coached the guy and proved that they are a successful partnership. So if maybe you, you should work... go back to Miles McLagan then. Well, or it, Brad Gilbert. Or I mean, what, I don't in know. What way, in ex- what way were those two as successful as Ivan Lendl? Well, and he didn't win Grand Slams with them. Yeah, yeah. they were different stages of his career. As a, uh, look. As I say, he's already reaping the benefit. He's still reaping the benefits of his time with Lendl. I don't think there's much more to be gained from that. I think he will want. This is a very, very different phase of his career that he's in now than that he was in then. I think the tennis landscape has changed considerably. I think Djokovic has changed it, and I think he needs something new. In an interview, he did say, when asked who he would like as his coach, uh, an interview on the the Rome social media, the tournament social media, he was asked about this very question. He said his his super coach was Ivan Lendl and, you know, he's got massive respect for him and, you know, if he would be the ideal one if in an ideal world. Maybe he was just being polite. What do you think? Who said that? Andy Murray said that. No. I, I mean, look, I've been wrong before, as tennis podcast listeners can attest to. Uh, as much as anybody else, but I, I'm, I'm prepared to stick my neck out and say I do not see it. Okay, Catherine Whitaker here on the tennis podcast. There's a view. Let's hear what you lot think. Uh, we have uh, Delay who says I'd go for Mats Valanda. His analysis on Eurosport is always top notch. I think we'd agree with that. Yeah, I think I think Mats is he could be a fantastic coach to someone. I think it's really unfortunate that his coaching CV doesn't uh, look better than it, than it does. He's obviously, he's had stints with Paul-Henri Mathieu, Marit Safin, of course, most recently Madison Keys, and that didn't work out, but it's about gelling, isn't it? I mean, Murray's made it clear that he won't be signing on the dotted line with a coach before a trial period. So I think, you know, the Murray will make sure that, 
that he gels personally and professionally with whoever he takes on board. So I think we don't need to have any question marks over that, that whoever he chooses, he will gel with. Um, and I actually think personality wise, I could see them, them meshing quite nicely. It's just, you know, Matt's credentials speak for themselves and he is a fantastic analyst of the game. No question. It's just that his coaching CV doesn't look that great. Anne-Marie Batson says, what about Roger Rashid, who obviously worked with uh, Leighton no. Hewitt and Gail Monfils no. and Grigor Dimitrov? No. Flat no from Catherine Whitaker. Why? Roger Rashid tends to work with players um, earlier on in their career and he tends to bring them on. I mean, he, he does uh, bring technical um, ta- and tactical aspects to his coaching, but his main focus is on the physical. And I don't think Andy Murray needs much help in that department. Well, he's certainly the... Uh... The perfect pro, isn't he, Andy Murray? As it is, and I do, I know what you mean. Roger Rashid has got amazing results out of people like Monfils and Dimitrov earlier on, who had who were rich in talent but didn't seem to be able to knuckle down and get the best out of it. And he he was able to do that. Yeah, and I, I know where you're coming from. Whether this is the right stage of Andy Murray's career, I know that before he actually employed Lendl, it was very close that Rashid was maybe the, the second in line there if uh, if Lendl hadn't come off to, to be the man he took on. Uh, we have um, Thomas Cassidy who says Andre Agassi. Oh, how about that? That ain't happening, I'm afraid. Why not? I mean, it'd be ex- Ag- Agassi does not want to be on the road. Uh, Doesn't need to be. Again. Just sort of come in as no. a bit of a consultant now and again. Well, we know Andy Murray wants more than that because that's why he split with Emily Moresmo. So, no, it's not happening. All right. Catherine says no, everybody. Uh, Ali says, uh, Jamie Delgado is a good assistant for somebody UK-based, but he still needs his Goran Ivanisevic, his Magnus Norman, his Boris Becker, who Chilich and Vavrinka and uh, Djokovic have all been benefiting from. Somebody who's been at the top, I agree. says Ali. Bob's Nev says... Uh, Jamie Delgado seems to be good to me. When Andy looks up at him, he has the right sort of facial expression. He has a stern face to look at when Andy loses his focus in tight moments. Uh, M says uh, his current setup seems good. He knows what he's doing. But Martina would be brilliant, she says in brackets. Um, GSM says if Andy goes on and reaches the final of the French Open, will Amelie Moresmo get some credit? I doubt it, but she certainly should. Okay, Catherine Whittaker's spoken. Uh, Serena Williams fan says, Ivan Lendl would be the obvious choice if he were available. Since he isn't, though, how about Paul Anacone? Well, there's somebody who's uh, worked with uh, the, t- the best players in the world, Sampras and, uh, and Federer. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I wouldn't rule him out. I think I'd be slightly surprised, perhaps, as I say. I, I, sus- I suspect he'll be looking more at people that have been there and done it, but I wouldn't rule him out altogether. Anna says he needs somebody like Patrick Moritoglu who can get him to focus and control his emotions. He's worked well with Serena's. Catherine says no. Uh, Ali Ali says uh, Darren Cahill would be my top choice if he were free. I'd put him in the Paul Anacone category. Uh, It would surprise me. I wouldn't rule it out. At least with Samantha Halep, isn't it? Yeah. Alan Pardew was with Reading, David. You know, things happen. Um, uh, yeah, wouldn't rule it out, but I'd I'd be very surprised. I think personality-wise, they're uh, they're quite a good fit, but I don't think that's necessarily what he's looking for. And I think it's going all right with Simona Halep, so I'd be surprised. 
Yeah, it's going very well with Samantha Howard because they've just won Madrid together. And I, I don't think Darren Cahill is the kind of coach who who stops unless he feels like he's given it everything and actually tried to try to get the achievement he's looking for. If you think about the players he's worked with, it hasn't been that many. Hewitt, Agassi, he's certainly got the best out of both of those. And it will be interesting to see whether Simona Halep is able to get over that hump of the Grand Slam. So Ali says, given that Darren Cahill isn't free, what about Jimmy Connors? Yeah, well, that's interesting. That's very That's not interesting. Is it? It's not impossible. He's uh, cut from the Lendl cloth would love of uh, suffering it. no fools, and he would be a tough taskmaster. He would fall into the category of somebody that Andy Murray probably wouldn't feel comfortable um, doing his usual slightly sulky uh, teenagery behaviour to gesturing to the box and all of that kind of. I think. Jimmy Connors in your box might um, curb that behaviour slightly. I uh, Jimmy Connors is not in the best shape physically. I think he's had four hip replacements, something like that. I don't know whether he'd be in a position to travel as much as... Uh, it's the same old story, isn't it? I don't know what his position is, basically, but I would put him in the frame. Well, we've said everybody, Catherine. Who's he going to have? I don't know, David. I think it's really. I think this is re- really, really interesting. He surprised us last time, didn't he? Uh, and it, it's exactly the same timing. It was two years ago at the French Open that all the speculation was flying around. Nobody was talking about Amelie Moresmo uh, until until they were. So Mike Dixon was. Yeah, he managed to because he'd got the that. inside story, not because uh, of any speculation that he plucked Amelie Moresmo from thin air, thinking. She might be a good fit. No, it's a it is a, a massive pool of potential people, isn't it? And uh, well, as you say, Andy Murray does have a habit of surprising us, and uh, it'll be interesting to to watch and see it all unfold. What is great though is that so many different players are in form, and with a week to go, there's a, there's a lot of question marks about both the men's and women's draw. I mean, this is bubbling up really nicely. Certainly is. I'm excited. I can't wait for the draw to come out. As Martina Navratilova uh, rightly pointed out, the draws this year are going to be very interesting, I believe. They are. They are. Well, we'll look forward to all of it. I hope you will too. It's all going to get cracking next weekend, isn't it? The French Open starts on a Sunday. The draw, the main draw will be made on Friday. Catherine will be over there in Paris. We will be bringing you a tennis podcast to preview that tournament, hopefully shortly after the draw, certainly within a day or so. And uh, we'll be bringing you updates throughout the tournament when we can. And thank you for listening to us, as always, here on the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. We'll be having Simon Briggs on to give us his opinions in the coming weeks. We'll have a daily show from the Aegon Championships at the Queen's Club. We'll also have a daily show during Wimbledon. You can't get rid of us that easily, unless you choose not to download us but that would be just ridiculous wouldn't it so anyway thanks for listening we'll speak to you soon hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part they're all about safe ethical and responsible manufacturing 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 